Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Yes, indeed, it is time for parenting. We're delighted to welcome uh, Joanna Fortune back into the studio. Good afternoon. Delighted to be here. Uh, Right, here's your first question. I have cystic fibrosis. I'm a mother of a two and a half year old little girl. I've been in and out of hospital a few times for brief stays since she was born, but recently was brought in for a longer stay of 10 days. Since returning home, my daughter has been acting out a lot. Of course, she has always had her usual toddler tantrums, but she's particularly on edge at the moment, spitting on the floor, throwing things, bedtime is a huge ordeal which takes over an hour to finally settle her. I understand that this is all a reaction to my leaving her but just not sure how to deal with it with her now and if this happens again in the future. We didn't tell her I was in hospital at this this time instead telling her I had to go to work. This is because the last time I wasn't well and was brought into hospital for a few days she was fixated on Mammy is sick for weeks after we felt it was best to protect her and not worry her again would love advice and the best approach. I mean, there's a few things here. Yeah. First of all, I think when you're living with a significant health condition like cystic fibrosis, just to start with this, it is okay to put yourself first when you need to. Yeah. Like it really is. And I think as parents, the message is always it's about the children. The children, of course, focusing on our children is really important. But it's also you're modeling something for your child from the youngest age when you can show her that when you feel unwell, you take care of yourself. Mm. So it is okay to put yourself first. I just want to emphasize that. Um, I mean, I love that you flag, you know, usual toddler tantrums because two and a half and tantrums, you know, they yeah. go hand in yeah. hand. But this is a little over and above. And what I'm reading into this is that there has been an amplification of normal tantrums that, you know, certainly goes alongside the mm. hospitalization. So when you tell her, And I totally get why you did it. I totally do. But I'm always going to say don't lie to children because it just breaks trust. This go to work is very vague. And I think at two and a half, you're like, well, what is this mystical place called work? And why did it go on so long? And it just means that every time you genuinely go to work, it triggers a fear response of, are you going to disappear for 10 days or two yeah, weeks? Or yeah. what does that mean for me? It's very difficult to tell a young child, but also cystic fibrosis is part of your family story. So this is going to be something your child grows up with an awareness ar- around and it's going to be a growing, increasing awareness. So I do think you need to tell her But it's how you frame it for young children is really important. So you could frame it like, you know, um, mom has to go stay with the doctors for a little while so that they can help her get really well, so they can help me get better. So your focus is on getting well, not being sick, if that makes sense. And I know that sounds like just playing semantics, but words matter, and particularly with young children. I think as well, and at her age, I think she would be just generally speaking quite interested. If you don't have one, get a medical play kit and play out the role of doctor patient and role reverse it that you get to be the patient and she gets to be the doctor healing you and then she gets to be the patient and you get to take care of her in the play and that's going to be a lot of what you do is returning to nurture play caregiving play lots of cuddles and hugs and songs and lots of tactile touch-based interaction because that's going to co-regulate her back down and I think It's really important when you're parenting with a significant illness that you focus on what you can do because there will be days when you're like, I can do more. Mm -hmm. Great, do that. And there will be days when you're like, do you know what? I need to dig into what I call armchair play, 
when I'm not getting out of the armchair, yeah, but I'm going to yeah. have prepared a few kind of rainy day activities, armchair play activities, low parental stamina activities that I can go. Here's your fidget box. Here's your little treasure yes. hunt I've prepared. <laughs> Here's something we can do. I'm going to play music on my phone and you're going to be the statue that has to move with the music and freeze when it stops that you've got things that you can dip into your resources when you can say, look, I don't have it in me to sit on the floor today. And that's okay. There are a couple of little books that can be, I mean, there's books for everything. Look, but there is a book um, called Big Tree is Sick. It just popped into my head when you read this. And I I just looked up before we came on. um, It's by Natalie Sloss. I think there's a co-author. I can't remember the name, but it's called Big Tree is Sick. And the idea is that there's a little animal um, who likes to play with the tree. But once the tree gets sick and isn't in the mood to play or isn't always able to play in the same way, and the little animal has to get used to this and understand it. And it's a nice way of, of explaining Sometimes I'm really available and sometimes I have to take care of myself Mm -hmm. and I'm not as available. And if you start that narrative quite young and grow it up with her, that's what's going to get you all through this. But at two and a half, you disappeared for 10 days and she's showing you some regressed and amplified challenging behaviours. It's a wobble in permanence. There was a moment for her when she's like, well, where are you and Mm -hmm. are you coming back? So just be as present and as available. Lots of acceptance and empathy. But starting with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> this might be a million dollar question, but is there any way to teach a soon to be four year old that sharing is caring? <laughs> Our very lovely daughter, since she was a baby, will grab or demand anything that her sisters or any other child has. She screams if she can't be the one to open her sister's birthday presents and gets so angry or upset if she doesn't get what she asks for. She started crush with her sister in September and I was hoping being part of a larger group where rules are key, would help her accept that she can't grab just because she wants. But it hasn't. The staff in the crush say she will take from other kids, but equally other kids follow her. That she shows strong leadership skills as as well as scary boss skills. I don't know if this is related, but I've noticed over over the past few months she gets very frustrated if she can't draw something or it seems wrong to her. And her new thing is that she has to write her name, which isn't the easiest name to spell, but she learned how. She gets annoyed if it doesn't look correct. I don't know where this is coming from uh, now. Uh, we encourage uh, lots of uh, colouring and painting, which she does with her sisters, and there's no competitive element between them. Her sisters, including her twin, are quite the opposite, happy to paint glorious blobs of colour. She's great fun, loves dancing and singing and telling stories from her mind, but her (laughs) inability to share is felt by most children she interacts with, and she gets very upset when she can't have whatever the thing is. It's so funny. Wow. Um, yeah, there's a lot. And she, you so know, interesting that she's a twin yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's, you know, when you're looking at she's almost four. So coming up to four, that whole cause and effect thinking is developing. Not nailed yet, guys, but developing. Mm. Um, but there's something in this that's interesting for me. I mean, first of all, I actually do have a little podcast episode, Sean, on sharing is caring as a question mark, because <laughs> there's something about with young children that we demand that they share all of their belongings in a way that if I was to reach out and take your phone and say, you don't mind sharing that with me. Yes. <laughs> say, I actually have an issue with that. But yet we would expect children to give their beloved toys. So instead, I think if we frame the question about sharing for children with the statement of, I know when you're finished playing with your toy, you will give your sister a go. Mm. Because that allows me to feel like I've decided to give it, not that I've had to do it. And there's, I just wanted to flag that because we could get down a rabbit hole about sharing, but I actually don't think this is about sharing or certainly not just about sharing. That might be how it's manifesting. I think it's more about control. 
and an amplified control drive in this little girl. And we need to be curious as to what function control is serving, because often in my work, you know, a parent might say to me, you know, I might ask, you know, how will you know when things have gotten better? And they're, oh, the child won't be as controlling. I'm like, whoa, we need to understand the function of control before we decide, give me that control. You don't need to have it. Mm -hmm. It's easier for a child to give up control when they don't need it anymore. So why does she need it? What function is it serving for her? And how we see control emerge at this young age is children who... Now, look, I don't mean this in a diagnostic sense because this can also be indicative of other things. But generally speaking, they dominate play with other children. That mm -hmm. would be one of the flags that we look for. Can be very intolerant of adult direction or adult redirection of why don't you give that to your little friend? No, thank you. I won't be doing that. Can be quite intolerant and can become quite upset when their control is questioned or challenged. That could be by other children or by adults who intervene. So she has quite a few of those yeah, going yeah. on there. And again, I'm not psychopathologizing her because we just want to understand, is this her way of feeling in control of things? It's hard when you're little. You're in control of so little yeah, when nothing. you're a, a yeah. child. You know, you depend upon adults for everything. So where you can exert your control you're, you're more likely to do it. And we see this louder in some children than others. But again, because she's a twin and because she has other siblings, has she, see, you know, developed this as a way of, I will ensure this goes a certain way. I don't need to worry about how the game is going to play out if I'm the one deciding how it's going to play out. Mm. And that gives me a semblance of control. And that can be a way of managing uncertainty, anxiety, and just, you know, the unpredictability of other children and of of the world. So I thought that was really interesting in this and I just put it out there for this parent to hold in mind um, because the, again, like she's not quite four and is really holding herself to very perfectionistic standards about being able to write her name which we wouldn't expect a nearly four-year-old yeah, to be yeah. able to master. Some of them do but we certainly wouldn't expect it. So I just think, you know, Get messy, get really messy play going because it's hard to control mess, isn't it? I know that's why parents go, that's why I hate that play, mm -hmm. Joanna. But it's actually very important with children who have a high control drive because we're showing them that they can get messy, it can get chaotic, it can get out of control. And there is somebody there who will help you to structure it, organise it and tidy it up afterwards. In other words, who will put a framework on this and stop you and the situation getting out of control. So it, it helps them to understand it in a doing way. I would do lots of that. I would really invite that mess and chaos in so that she can bring her internal chaos and mess in due course and say, I'm feeling a bit icky and uncertain inside. I think, you know, as well, that you want to emphasize within the family that there are some toys that are hers. Mm. There are some toys that are her siblings. And then there are shared toys that are everybody's. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you're ensuring that everybody knows this is something we all own. This is something we all play. Focus on collaborative play, on task completion together. That could be anything from completing a jigsaw together, building a block tower together. It also could be, you know, group activities like sitting around and taking turns in a circle or passing an object around, you know, playing. You blow bubbles and they pop them with their hands. You tell them what to pop with. Pop with your finger, your pointer, your pinky, your elbows. Stamp on them with your feet but they all do it together and promote that kind of collaborative play and then natural turn taking play. You know, board games, stop start games are very good ways of doing that. I would focus on that. She's very, very young. And I think one of the best ways um, to teach sharing specifically, because you ask, is through modelling and reinforcing the behaviour, which would be, you know, if you're having a snack that you share a piece of it and say, I'm sharing with you. It feels really nice to share with you. 
taking turns yourself. I'll go first and you can go second. This time you go first and I'll go second. And you're modelling by doing. So if they see you do it mm. and you really reinforce that, it will come. But I would work on lowering the control impulse rather than just focusing on sharing. Yeah, but I suppose where that impulse to control comes from, given she has a twin who seems fine and, and another sibling, that's just one of life's mysteries, I assume, it rather than you get to the bottom of it. It can be. I mean, we'd always be curious about it if it was to further amplify, if it was to become a concern. I mean, she's not quite four. We would certainly be saying, give it, you know, give this a few months of you mm. really focusing on the play that I'm talking about. And if it's still an issue, then, yeah, you could consider consulting with somebody who works um, through kind of sensory symbolic representation, like a play based psychotherapist who could help you with that. But when a child is as young as four, my, my own way of practicing would be to have the parent actively involved. Yeah. So, you know, I'm also thinking that, you know, be aware of, of time and availability. Other young children. Yes. You know, I just want to be realistic. So I always like to start on there are things you can do at home. But if this doesn't improve, um, I'm guessing she's only turning four. You have a year before she's going to big school. I would use that as a year to turn this around because, yeah. yeah. My three-year-old has always been fiercely independent and she's always been difficult to dress. But in the last few weeks, it's been really tough to the point we're now having to force her into clothes as we're rushing out the door because she simply takes everything off the second it goes on, time after time, down to removing her underwear. She says everything is too tight or too small or hurts her and whips it off. I've checked her skin but seen no sign of any rashes or irritation. She's refusing to wear pyjamas, so we've just rolled with it and she has a bad cough now. She's always been fussy about clothes, won't wear a coat in the car, only certain leggings, no jumpers etc. But we've reached what feels like a very intense peak of refusing to put anything on and having extreme meltdowns in the process. She also has meltdowns over her seatbelt every day, every car journey again saying it's too tight. When she goes to crash, she doesn't complain about her clothes, it probably isn't related to sensitive skin. We have ignored it and let her go naked around the house. Let her pick her own clothes. Tell her we think she's great at picking clothes and now we're trying bribery, i.e. a jelly tot for when she gets dressed in the morning. Mixed results on all fronts. Other than that, she seems like a happy little girl. I started a busier, stressful job in October and we don't have our holidays or we don't have our Fridays together anymore. There haven't been any other changes in our life, e.g. at creche. What does Joanna think? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I, I think, first of all, I'm just going to say believe her. Yeah. You know, when she's yeah. saying to you, it doesn't feel nice. It's too small. It's too tight. I don't like it. Believe her. This isn't about going, but you've no rash, therefore it's fine. I mean, it's great she's no rash because what that tells you is she doesn't have an allergy. Mm. Um, you know, she's not having a skin reaction, but she is having an embodied reaction. She is having a sensory reaction yes. to it. And I think she is showing signs of sensory sensitivity, in particular around um, a tactile defensiveness. Now, don't panic about words like that. Don't kind of go, oh my gosh, what does that mean? What it means is exactly what you're living with right now. Mm. That what you know is she is struggling with clothing, with certain types of clothing. And she's three. I just want to put out there if she has had her three-year-old developmental check with your public health nurse, if she hasn't, call and request it and say that you are experiencing some tactile defensiveness and some sensory sensitivity and you wouldn't mind a consult with the public health nurse around her development and possibly an occupational therapist, if only to reassure you or moreover, give you creative ideas for how you can parent around this so that you're not every morning being a battle trying oh God, to, you know, yeah. you know, it's just so stress. Even reading it, you're like, that's so stressful. I mean, the jelly tot is 
absolute last resort as parents. Yes. That's your way of saying we've tried everything and nothing is working. We're now doing jelly tots. Jelly tots should be inside a glass case yeah. with a little hammer. Exactly. But that's kind of where you're at. And I just want to say to you the jelly tots look, I mean, she might do something for you for a jelly tot, you know, who wouldn't? But it's not going to make a meaningful, sustained change because I don't think this is a behaviour she can control. Yeah. And you see that kind of behaviour modification approach. If you do this, you can have that relies on it being a behaviour that is within the child's control. I'm not convinced of that here. So I would consider you to also look at and you may well have done this, but, you know, oversized clothing, loose clothing, um, you know, give, going with her and trying on a few things or getting more. Don't do it in a shop that might actually be quite sensory triggering in itself, but getting a few things home and giving her choices. What would you like? A or B. You're happy with A and B because you just want her dressed. But she gets to feel like, oh, I'm making that choice. There are some sensory friendly clothing. Um, I think there's an Irish company and I might be saying the names wrong. It's either Juno and Sully or Sully and Juno. (laughs) It's, It's some combination of that. And they do some dedicated sensory friendly clothing. So this and you will get it in other stores. And I'm sure some parents listening who deal with this will know of other places. That's worth considering. Always think about underwear and socks inside out. So there's no lines, there's no tags. Cut the tags off everything. Size up, especially around shoes. Think of things that are going to be possible for her to wear. Now, there is something, Sean, in this that just I thought was interesting where the parent is making a link to I've just gone back to a busier job and we don't have our Fridays. So there is an inference that they might be wondering if this behaviour is a protest of some kind rather than just being sensory. And it's possible that it's a little from column A and a little from column B. Okay, Mm. you can have these comorbidity here. But I do think if you acknowledge to her, look, I have to work more and we don't have our special day together. But we're going to make sure that you have that ring fenced pocket of time every day when no phones, no TV, no screens, no distractions. You're 100 percent present to play with her. That's really important that you do. So she's still getting enough of you. And it's good for us after a busy day at work to come down and play for 15 minutes or so and just really get out of our heads. There is a secondary gain for us adults as well. Um, So whether you have kids or not, sit down with the Legos when you get in from work and it's really good for us. But I do think that will be something you could do to offset the the new job, which is about six months in place now anyway. But it does sound like it's a sensory sensitivity. Yeah, and actually, we've had those kind of questions yeah. related to that so many times. It's it, it's it's astoundingly common. Very. Is it something a child grows out of if it's a sensory be. issue? Or? It absolutely can. Think of ourselves. Like some of us are sitting here that we don't have any diagnosis or need a diagnosis, but we mightn't like tags or we mightn't like certain types of clothing or we might prefer loose this or wide fitting mm. shoes or so we don't like a particular comb. So we use a soft brush or a hard brush. Lots of us have sensory sensitivities. Yes. Yeah. We don't like noises or high pitches. That's very common. Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Uh, Talk to you next week. Joanna Fortune, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. Walking every street in your city. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.